Welcome back to Course Correction Radio. My name is Trey Harris, and here in the studio, which is today it's the kitchen, um, <laughs> we have a very special guest. We have Sarah Danielle Harris, my lovely wife. Hi, guys. Today, if you are watching this, that means that this is this is Shavuot, Pentecost. It's it, not right now, but when you're watching it, it will be. It's finally here. At the time of this recording, this is Saturday night, 9.52 a, or excuse me, p.m. <laughs> I'm tired. It's been a long day. It's been a long good day, though. So, we are coming out of the intro now. And first of all, guys, once again, thank you for joining us. Um, do want to say, like always, big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, now you see TV at nystv.org. Don't forget, you can use the promo code, all caps, CCR, for your first 30 days free over there. Get great documentaries such as the Dark Covenant, um, Secret of Secrets, and Dark, Li- Dark Covenant, Lies of the Immortal. You've got the Book of Enoch commentary with John Pounders and David Carrico. I also want to give a shout-out to FOJCRadio.com. Get great books. Um, you can get Victims to Victors, which she has read. They're over there. I know. I, I never look at the camera. It's just a thing. Okay. Um, you can get Victim to Victors. She can give you more on that. Oh, she has read that. that's an incredible book. My goodness. I'm telling you, even if you don't think you need it, you need it. It, uh, you can get um, great books exposing the uh, dark, the the secret doings of evil, such as the Egyptian satanic, the Egyptian Masonic satanic connection. I always mess that up. I'm working through that one right now. Great book. Um, really, really a uh, a must read for people who are not sure what could be going on in your town. Also want to give a shout out to shakenwakeradio.com. Annie, thank you so much for letting us be a part of the family over there. Thank you for everything that you are doing um, over at shakenwakeradio.com. Guys, check it out. Tons of just excellent hosts over there, including Russ Dizdar, Dan Badondi, the Midnight Ride over at Now You See TV, Remnant Restoration, all of them, which reminds me, make sure you subscribe to the Cutting Edge YouTube channel with John Hall. The Remnant Restoration YouTube channel with John and Patricia Hall. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already to Now You See TV, their YouTube channel. Um, we just want to thank them for everything they are doing, for letting us partner with them. And um, last but not least, if you're looking for news that you can trust from a reliable source, make sure that you subscribe to the Truth Radio Show YouTube channel. So with that, we're going to roll the intro. All right, and we are back. Um, so today's today's topic is going to be an interesting one. We'll be sort of kind of picking up where we left off last week with our tale of two women. But today we're going to be talking about the duty of the bride. And of course, the bride, by that we mean the the church, the, the body of Christ. And we're going to start with John 3. 22 and this is John's testimony about Jesus and these things came and after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea 
And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Now listen to this verse. This is John three twenty nine. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Now, if you take that verse, you can parallel it to Mark chapter 2, verse 19, and you'll start to get an idea of who the bride is. And there's so many verses we could go to. We could go to, uh, there's several in the epistles. There's uh, some in Revelation, if I remember correctly. But for brevity and for time's sake, we're going to stick to these two. Revelation two, nineteen. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So we can see just from these, so to give that... Uh, a little background, that is um, John's disciples and the Pharisees were all fasting, but Jesus and his disciples were not fasting, and he basically explained to them that we're gone. We are gone, but it's okay. We're on the audio. So Okay. We can keep going just like this then. We can, absolutely. So I can always audio visualize it. Um, so anyway... We have Jesus explaining to them that while he was there, the bridegroom, the bride, would not fast. Now, what, what I want us to glean from this is the fact that we, are, we can see from these verses that if Jesus is the bridegroom, then by default, those who follow him must therefore be the bride. And so with that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, I have so often heard it said that Song of Solomon was a, 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 almost a prophetic kind of glimpse into the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And so we're going to flip over there if I can find it, and we're going we're gonna to read a few select passages from it and do a little commentary on it. So we're going to start in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And that is the shepherd talking. And it goes on in verse 4. I believe this is the bride talking now. She says, he brought me into the banqueting house. And his banner over me was love. Stay with me. Stay me with flagons and comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. 
His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the roads and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. Verse 16 of chapter 2, My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies until the day break, and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. So what, what do you see, the first, first thoughts when you read that? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is how they pretty much teach you one kind of love, especially coming up like in children's church. They always teach you the only love between God and his people is like the love of a father, like your earthly father would have for you. And that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. They never teach us the deeper levels of what it means to actually be his bride. It's not just a father loving and protecting his people. It's an all-consuming love. You know, it's that agape love. Right. They don't ever teach you those levels when you're in children's church and i think that it's important especially for little kids to learn of course they need to learn he's their father their he's their protector but i think he needs they need to know that the love that their earthly father has for them it doesn't even scratch the surface of his love for all of his people and this book actually does a beautiful job of showing that deeper level that none of us ever get taught right and it's not like it's a hard read I read this entire book prepping for this last night, and it was beautiful. It brought me to tears. Um, And I think part of the problem is that when we're talking about love that they teach in church, they don't open anything before Matthew. So they don't get the big picture. You know, we talk about the greatest story ever told, but when we talk about the greatest story ever told, we never go to the introduction, the build-up to the climax. Oh, no, never. We just get to the climax and go from there. We don't understand the sorrow and the heartbreak that God's people put him through before we get to the climax. All the horrible, horrible things they do, and it finally leads up to Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross to undo everything. No, when you're taught that in church, that's the beginning of the story. That is that is step number one. Jesus died for you. Before that, you know, oh, people were around, but in order to get day-to-day, they had to sacrifice animals every time they said a bad word. That's how they make it seem when you're coming up in church. Like, before Jesus, it was irrelevant because now we have him. Is is that absolutely true that Jesus is the centerfold of this story? He is the most important thing that we are going to learn about? Yes, but it doesn't mean everything before it is irrelevant. Right. You can't understand the depth of the reasons that he did it without reading the front of the story. And Song of Solomon is part of that story. Right, and that's what this whole Like Unto Moses podcast is about, is trying to get people that wouldn't normally to open their Bibles and read the front. What does it mean in John when it says, are thou the prophet? What does that prophet mean? You can't understand unless you have read Deuteronomy. You'll never know what it means. And so with that, I mean, so for instance, if you keep going, we always hear in the church, they teach you to watch therefore, because you know, not the day nor the hour 
when the bridegroom returns, right? Exactly. So get this. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 1. By night, on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. To instantly, I get that, that person that is up at night, right? He says that it'll be like a thief in the night. Revelation 16, watch therefore, I cometh like a thief. Or he says, I cometh, behold, I cometh as a thief. Watch therefore, lest ye be caught naked and they see your shame. Well, you know, and you, if you think of the parallel of the weddings that we have here on earth, who is more restless and up at night but other than the bride the night before her wedding? Right. She is up constantly. As someone who has been there, you don't sleep a whole lot the night before your wedding. You are constantly double-checking that you have done everything you could to make the day perfect. And that is a beautiful parallel of how we should be. We are to be constantly on our guard double-checking what we're doing. Have we done everything to reach every single person we could because he could come back right now and that's all we'll ever have time to do. So the parallel is instead of being up like a bride checking to make sure all the flowers are in perfect color-coded and that all of the bridesmaid dresses are fashionably horrible, let's, you know, make sure we have gotten... (laughs) We have gotten God's word to every single person we could and double checking to make sure that our own lives match up with what he tells us to do as best as we can. Right. Um, so let's go over real quick. Let's just go to Matthew 25, because I think it's important that we 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 look at this in its practicality to the end times. We're talking about the duty of the bride. So we read Matthew All right. All right. Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamp and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. Now, see, there we have it again. The bridegroom, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy yourselves, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. 
Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And so we hear those verses a lot, especially if you grew up in the modern evangelical church. You hear the parable of the ten virgins likened unto being ready for when the secret rapture is going to come because they always say, you know it's the rapture because you don't know the day or the hour when he comes, but rather look at that parable in light of the Song of Solomon. Go back there, Song of Solomon, chapter 3, and let's read it again. I probably should have kept my finger on this. You know, one day, one of these days I'm going to learn. One of these days, one of these days. I doubt it. You're stubborn. I am stubborn, but it's not so much stubborn. I'm just, I don't think I'm already at the time. there. Where, what is it? What? What is it? I'm already there. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 1. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. So when we look at that in the parable of the ten virgins, what was the difference between... What was the difference between the two sets of virgins? We have one that had oil and one that didn't, right? Mm -hmm. If you flip back over to Proverbs, it gives you the answer. Proverbs chapter 6. Aha, I'm still there before you. Nope, my pages got stuck together. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life reproofs of instruction what a beautiful phrase right so if we know the commandment is the lamp so we're given two things here the commandment is a lamp mm-hmm. the law is the light exactly where's the oil <laughs> exactly if you go back to leviticus and see this is why it's so important to read the front of your bible this is why it's so important to mark your pages yeah. Look, you see how many notes I have. I, have, I love you. I'm just I have teasing. two verses written down. <laughs> the rest is in my head. Because does he not say, don't think about what you will speak and he'll give it to you? You know I rewrite my lessons an hour before every broadcast, right? <laughs> I'm learning. Where are we at Leviticus? Leviticus, I believe it is chapter 24. Oil for lamps. Leviticus 24, starting in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually. Without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. Well, and didn't we just talk about this, how God was very specific, and there are some times that he said it shall be a statute for you forever, and then sometimes he said it will be a statute forever in your generations. Yep. Like, he knew like as far as when he's talking to Moses about what to do for the day of atonement for the sacrifices mm-hmm. to tell Aaron 
he says this shall be a statute for you. But then when you come to things like the Sabbath or the um, or like for the Feast of Weeks, he says this shall be a statute forever in your generations. He knows when these things are going to stand the test of times because he knew there would be a day that the sacrifices wouldn't be needed anymore. Right. Because we would have the most beautiful sacrifice in the world, which is Jesus, which is this love we're talking about. Absolutely. Our love for our bridegroom. But he was so specific. It's like, you know, in a broad sense, oh, he thinks of everything. But then you find these little details. He didn't ever miss a step. He knew exactly how to say so that we would know this was something that would last forever. Mm-hmm. So we get, if you go to Revelation chapter... Oh, we went from the front to the back. Yeah, well, see, that's the way it goes. Like, And look, this is the thing. This is what me and David were talking about last weekend. Um, we were talking about how if you study the Bible from a cross-referencing point instead of reading it front to back, and one day I'm going to get through the Bible front to back. It's really fun the first time you do it. Honestly, you feel like your brain's on fire a little bit, but then you have to... Break it down. But see, that's the thing. My brain doesn't work like that. So look, check this out. You, If you read it and it's like you, you're you reading it like it's a story and it's a timeline and this is what's happening yeah. from front to back, like a like an actual book. Like it is an actual book. But yeah. we know Bible means library. It is a collection of books. Right, exactly. But if you were to read it like it was one story. And Which it is. In the beginning. And then Revelation is the end, and you never stop. You go all the way through. Your brain's on fire a little bit. and <laughs> But it is actually really fun. You pick up things that you don't pick up reading it separately. You just don't. And, I mean, take one time where you're not taking notes, and you just read it from front to back. It, it'll change your world, I'm telling you. I wish I could do that. My brain's too studious. So check this out. We talk about the lamp, right? The pure beaten olive for the lamp. And we're going to get to what the oil is. But first we have to understand what the lamp is that the oil goes into, right? Every piece counts. Yes. Where are we at? Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. I'm sorry, y'all. I totally knew where we were going. I'm just not very... I don't pay attention to oil. I have three kids. They took my brains. I'm here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. I saw a menorah. See, mine and, says lampstands. It's so, like we have different translations. It's just cool to see how they say things differently. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So this is the same. This is the same Son of Man that Daniel saw. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they turned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he said he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things 
which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou saw, are the or the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou saw, are the seven churches. So we have here, we have in the Old Testament a type and a shadow, which Hebrews talked about being set up. You have oil beaten from pure olives to be put into the candlesticks, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that Hebrews said that Moses made these things in the tabernacles, a model of what he saw in heaven, right? right? So how does this play out in the real world? If you read Romans chapters 9 through 11, which we're not going to do for sake of time, it talks about the nation of Israel. And it says that Israel is a cultivated olive tree, right? And that the Gentiles have been grafted into that cultivated olive tree. So we have the olive connection. We have the oil. Now it says the oil is beaten, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where we have to flip again. And you don't have to for sake of time. Which, uh, being an essential oil enthusiast, I can tell y'all that the way you have to get oil out of things like that, it is not an easy process. Not at all. It takes time and patience. And that's just... Another example of how he wants us to be in our walk and with our love for him. Right. He which, wants, you know, he wants all the bad stuff gotten out of us. Which you're, is, you're, you're getting a little ahead of me. <laughs> well, that's what we're supposed to do as the better half, right? We're supposed to read your mind and help you complete thoughts. Right. Because, so, y'all, I had no idea what he was going to talk about tonight. He was like, hey, you want a podcast with me? So, I'm here. <laughs> So, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, starting in verse 6. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. So I just wanted to point that out because we have the bride being beaten in the Song of Solomon. Now, when you talk about the bad stuff being brought out of us, if you go to the book of James, and I know we're flipping around a lot, but this is what... Yeah, y'all can just listen and later, you know, take this piece by piece. Yeah, and just study write down part. write down the verses and just do your own study That's on it later. That's what I have to do when he talks because he flips like six different places. Hebrews, James. I have to sing the Bible song. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. All right, so let's look at it. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, that word patience is the same word when Jesus said, He who endures till the end shall be saved. This is an endurance. So that's what I said when you were getting a little ahead of me when we talked about it. Because, well, I mean, that's just like it's what I think of when I, you say oil. Like, I love essential oils, but I know that lavender, you know, it didn't just grow as a, per, a pretty purple flower and then they, you know, pressed it real good and all the oil came out. It's a it's a hard process to extract right. oil from but, something. But it's pure the more the more that you beat it, the purer the, the oil. The more refined it is and my goodness, I only buy the most refined oils out and there. So because that's 
I that's, need them to be. That's where this comes from. We talk about in Proverbs, the commandment being a lamp and the law being a light. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide my, I will hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So this is a beautiful lesson. I just want you to know that it's just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I didn't know what he was going to talk about guys. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. It's I had just, an inkling. My goodness. It's just beautiful. Like, but that's what happens when we talk about stuff. when, you know, we talk about Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. He said in the last days, we'd be brought before the synagogues and we'd be brought before the tribunal and we would be beaten. Now, understand that you cannot be counted worthy without that patience, without that endurance. But that endurance only comes through trials and tribulation. So for those that listen to this, that you think that you may be taken out of here, by a secret rapture, understand nothing could be more anti-Bible and anti-the doctrine of Christ. It's an anti-Christ doctrine because we must be... We must be tried and we must be purified. The the anti-Nicene father, Irenaeus, who was discipled by Polycarp, who was discipled by John the Apostle, said that the facing the man of sin would be the last trial, the last tribulation for the saints. We must be found pure. We must be found worthy. And that's what it means when we talk about being, when we watch, therefore, That's what we talk about when we talk about these virgins that have oil. These are virgins that have read the law of God. They have read the doctrine of Christ. They have applied it to their life, and now they have a lamp to follow. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. But the law of God, his commandments, those are what point to Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, in this day and age, especially in America, you know, the land of the frou-frou and the pampered, we are taught that you do anything you can to avoid pain. That's why people follow Jesus. I have pain. I want to get rid of it. So once they do, they think, okay, well, he never wants me to feel any pain. Does he? Nope. He does not. He loves you that much. But does he know that the evil in this world wants you to feel pain because you are following Jesus? Yes. So he would be remiss if he didn't warn us, if he didn't teach us how to walk through trials and tribulations. He's not going to sit there and let you be blindsided. Has he ever? No. What is the verse that says that, uh, it's not even coming to me anymore. It'll come to me later, I promise, guys, and it's going to be fantastic. But the point is that if you want to get through this life and this walk with Jesus and you think that the pain that you've already experienced, however traumatic it may be, and I know you all have some stories out there, if you think that that's all that you're ever going to have to experience, God's telling you, no, I don't want you to feel it, but look, it's coming, and I need you to be ready. The only way to be ready is through my law, and the only way to stay true to me is with my love. And that's, I mean, that's the whole message right there. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. <laughs> so we're actually coming up. Uh, we're a little over 30 minutes. So we're going to go to our our break, and uh, we'll come back, and we're going to apply this for what you all came here for in the first place. We're going to talk about how this applies to Jesus Christ, what he had to say about this, and more importantly, 
we're going well i shouldn't say that let me back that up it's not more importantly but more on the same level of importance yes but more emphasized to the day that this is pentecost more, more pertinent pertinent yes so <laughs> word of the day right there yes so we're going to come back we're going to talk about what jesus had to say about this and we're going to look at how this applies to shavuot or pentecost as many of you may know it as so uh don't go anywhere we'll be right back on course correction radio Welcome back to Course Correction Radio, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. So, before the break, we talked about we would go into what Jesus had to say about this. Now, everything we've been talking about, we've been looking through a symbolic, poetic book that talks about the bride of Christ and the bridegroom who is Christ. We've been applying it to various places in the Bible that talk about the law of God, the doctrine of Christ, and keeping the commandments. And this is what Jesus had to say on that. If you go to John chapter 14, this is what he said. We're going to start with what Philip said. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Shew us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe For the very works sake, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He goes on to say, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And there's the emphasis right there. If thou loveth, if the, if ye love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide in you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, and He dwelleth with you, and He shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
he goes on. In verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. First John. I love First John. One of my favorite books in the Bible. And it says this, if I can get there. First John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He saith, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Who, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He say that he abideth in him himself also to walk even as he walked. Now, First John chapter 3, verse 4 tells us what sin is. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. Law. So when we look at what Jesus says, it's not like Jesus is, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Got me. Um, it's, he's not neutral in this position. Oh, no, not at all. Jesus very much says the duty of the bride is to keep the commandments of God. It's how we stay watchful for him. It's how we keep our garments pure, just like she said that a bride does the night before the wedding anyway. Yeah, the girl's going to keep that dress pressed. She's going to have it hanging upside down in the shower so that all that steam can get every single wrinkle out. Yep. Been there, done that. It was a beautiful wedding. I mean, I married you, so that was fun. But it was a beautiful wedding. <laughs> it was. It was It was fantastic. Uh, a day I'll never forget, that's for sure. But you know what I find funny about all these verses that are literally, you cannot miss them that say, follow my commandments. But yet we were in the modern church for how many years? And we our missed whole life. it. And we missed it. And our parents missed it. And our parents' parents missed it. But they want to shove down our throats. He's a good, good father. But they forget to remember. That's who he is. That it. <laughs> That a good, good father has rules for his children. They act like the the law is this dirty thing full of chains that they have they had to follow once, but now they're free of those but chains. What, what did Paul say? Paul said the carnal mind is at enmity with the law. Yeah, and we also need to die to flesh daily, but there is no... Mortify your members. But, <laughs> but there is, quote unquote, no rules on how to do that. When you're looking at the Bible the way they look at the Bible. Well, because the Bible is just a self-help guide. It's a way for you to live your best live life your now. Live your best life now. Forgot <laughs> the eye twitches. The face. Live your best life now. But why would I want to live my best life now? I want to give 
every ounce of strength that God gave me in this body to do things absolutely for the people of God and the people that don't know him yet. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of John MacArthur, but John MacArthur said something about live your best life now that I absolutely loved. He said, if you live your best life now, he said, yeah, that's the truth because your next life will be in hell and it ain't going to be that great. Yeah. I mean, this life is not about me, you know, getting so much credit card debt that I'm drowning because I just had to have that car or I just had to have these awesome, you know, lawn ornaments. I don't understand it. Bougie pants. (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand it, y'all. I've been wearing the same jeans since middle school. I do not care to buy anymore because they still fit. Hallelujah. I don't understand it. I know people that people that struggle with spending, so I am not downplaying it as a, as a thing. You know, I, I buy way too many chickens. I love chickens. I will admit that. But I don't understand about the clothes and the cars and the things, but chickens are my weakness. But why would we want to live our best life now when we have a roadmap that tells us how beautiful heaven is? Why? Well, and Jesus says those who seek to gain their life will, will lose it. it. I, and I want to lose it to find it. I want to spend my days, you know, just like today. I had the beautiful opportunity to open up my freezer because somebody needed help. You know what? people in my family would have said if they knew I would took my food that I have for my family? What if you need it in six months, you know? Well, isn't it funny that Jesus has a parable about that too? <laughs> the people like, that like build their storehouses that. and then they run out of room. So what do they do? They, they build, build a another. bigger storehouse. But, you know, turkey bacon's $3 a pack. Why would I want to hoard that when somebody is out there hungry? There are people out there who are starving. There are people out there who, because of circumstances in their life, went from having everything to now they have nothing. They have loads of kids and no way to support them. What do they do? That's where the body of Christ steps in. That is where our job is. That is where we give everything we have. And if you give and then they walk up to you and say, I'm cold, well, you give them the jacket right off your back. My grandma has told me a beautiful story all my life of when she went on a mission trip to Honduras and she saw a girl there walking around that had no shoes. No shoes. And I'm telling you, the sand in Honduras, when you're walking on the street, it's 100 degrees at least. At least. And everyone walked up in my grandma's church and said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. What did my grandma do? She took the shoes off her feet, the only pair she packed for Honduras, and she gave them to her without well, what is, a second what did, thought. What does James say about that? There's a passage in James where, where in, it talks about that. I'm in James right now. Let's go. Let's read it. You Just, mean faith without works is dead? Yeah, but read like uh, read it before that. It talks about hearers of the word. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the la- wrath of God worketh righteousness, worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. Su- superflu- I can never say that word. Uh, <laughs> superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word 
which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keepeth himself unspotted from the world. My brethren, have not the faith of our have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there cometh unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come into in also a poor man in vile raiment. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor man, Stand thou there, or sit here under thy foot under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath God not chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? I'm looking. I'm looking for a very specific verse. Give me a minute here. Uh, well, I got one where you're looking for it. It's uh, James chapter two, verse fourteen. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be That's warm and filled." That's what I was looking filled. for. Ah, uh, see, God put us together for a reason. But you do not give to them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I mean, can you say anything else? I I, I love the book of James because he just he just says it. Yeah, it's it's He it's, does not mince words, he does not try to, you know, help your feelings along. He is so direct and it is for the stubborn people in this world who will say, you know, I have seen, you know, I'm not going to call names because, you know, they might listen to this later. But I was with a family member one time and we walked out of a grocery store and there was a woman sitting there with a big sign right in front of the grocery store that said that she was homeless and had lost her job and had two kids. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I started patting my pockets. I said, I don't have anything. I said, I'll have to go to the bank and come back to give her something. And the family member looked at me and said, I'm not because I don't feel led to. And I I stopped. I said, well, where in the Bible does it tell us only do things if we feel led to? You know, it did not. Now, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't say it anywhere. Not as far as taking care of those in need, it doesn't. No, that now, is a requirement. Now, in the Didache, which was a early Christian writing that was supposed to be based off the teachings of the twelve disciples, it says if you have alms to give, which is money you're specifically looking to give to the poor, let it let it sweat, let it burn in the palm of your hand until you find somebody you're supposed to give it to. Right, that's but different. That's, that's different charity. than whether or not you're going to do it at all. Finding a specific person because, you know, like I've had people come up to me. God said, you know, I need to pay for your meal tonight. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, I just, I've had that happen. Not, not. But 
long ago. But to have you decide in your own brain whether or not you feel led to help at all, nowhere are we told that ever. If you have the means and the opportunity to help, you help. Yeah. So we're coming up. We're coming up on fifty minutes. So what I want to do is I want to go real quick if we can. So for those who don't know what Pentecost is, if you read Acts chapter two, you'll see Pentecost in the New Testament. But where does it come from? If you read, if you've read the front of your Bible, you already know where I'm going with this. You go to Leviticus chapter twenty three. And verses 15 through 22 are about Pentecost. It says, And ye shall count unto, unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath. Now, this is during the festival of, uh, of Passover through first fruits. When you get to first fruits, you shall count to the morrow after the Sabbath. From the day that ye brought the sheave of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So that's 49 days right there. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, ye shall number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out your habit of your habitations two wave loaves of two tenth deals. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven, and they are the first fruits unto the Lord. And ye shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year. And you can go and read the rest of it yourselves. So when we talk about this, but one of the things that's interesting is tradition has it that if you read when the children of Israel got to Mount Sinai, that was, it's right about the time, if you do the math, right about the time from Passover to Pentecost. Mm. And so you go there and um, Matthew, uh, Matthew, Exodus chapter 19, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, so three months, that's around 30 days. So, I mean, it's 30 days a month. I know three months isn't 30 days. Yeah. I'm doing the math in my head. But anyway, so when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. They were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And God went up unto, and Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt they say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall be you ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people from all for all the earth is mine and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel the children of Israel respond <coughs> excuse me Respond in verse 8, and all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, if you read it, it goes on to sanctify the people for three days. The men could not lay with their wives, so they would be ritually clean in the presence of God. God descends on Mount Sinai. And if you would like to see, shameless plug here, but if you would like to see some interesting things on 
Mount Sinai and some of the evidence that is still there, use the promo code CCR, all caps, CCR, at NowYouCTVNYSTV.org, and they have an excellent documentary on it that you can see during your first 30 days free on us. Guys, I have watched that documentary twice now, and I will go back and watch it another four times and not, not be tired of it. So... Uh, Exodus chapter 20 goes over the Ten Commandments. These are the wedding vows of it. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You have to be faithful. Any marriage requires faithfulness. Yeah, I mean, to, what do you say when you get married that you will honor, love, and cherish, right? Yeah. That is honoring and loving right there. Yeah. And you cherishing. Know, go through the Ten Commandments. Read them in the light of that. For time's sake, we're not going to be able to, but go through all of that. Now, see, here's the interesting thing is it's not just the Ten Commandments. It goes on. Every law breaks them down. Jesus had two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, neither one of those are in the Ten Commandments. Nope. One is out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. The other is out of Deuteronomy chapter 19. But yet the only commandments we follow are the Ten Commandments, right, church? No, the Ten Commandments doesn't even follow the church. The, 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 the church doesn't even follow the Ten Commandments. Yeah, because they don't even know what the Sabbath is. I right. hate to say it like that. And I'm not calling out all churches. I'm sure there's some out there that know and they're following the way. And the ones that don't, I'm sure that they're, you know, doing their best. And I know they love Jesus. I've Absolutely. seen I've seen the heart. It's just once my eyes were opened, I was just their love for me that they had that that they claimed they had. As soon as this started happening, that love went away. Oh, yeah. Because apparently the roots were rotten or something because they turned us away really fast when we went against the grain, which is actually with the correct grain. Guys, and this is part of, you know, our duty as the bride is to deal with these things because we know they're coming. I was just actually just flipping through and God just led me to this verse in Matthew chapter 26 um, when Jesus went to go pray in the garden. And in verse, uh, well, I'll just start at verse 36. Uh, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So he has asked them to watch with him. That's all he's asked while he prays. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is right there what we need to remember. We know that our spirits are willing. Now think about this. These are the three that fell asleep are the ones that Paul said seemeth to be pillars in the book of Galatians. Mm -hmm. So if they are, here they are, the the, the head of the church, right? Mm -hmm. And they fell asleep. Because none of us are perfect. No, but get this. If they can do it and be with Jesus at that time and still fall asleep on watch... So much more so do we need to guard our hearts and our minds and make sure we stay awake, especially in the dark hour we're in right now. Well, and that's what Jesus is telling us. He knows that our spirits are willing to do it. It's our weak flesh. That's why Paul tells us we have to die to flesh. I think it was Paul. We have to die to flesh daily. 
I don't remember, to be honest. Either way, it's important, guys. Yeah. See, I, I always tell him. It you wouldn't know, surprise me if it is Paul, though. I always tell him. I know exactly what the Bible says, but I can't tell you who said it or where. Well, what do I'm I always tell every you? Day. <laughs> Jesus says it is written. He never quoted the passage. Exactly. Because they didn't have it then. Yeah. They that came later. They didn't have this fancy numbering system we do now. No. They, that actually came up, so... I can't remember. I know in the Hebrew Bibles, they started versing them because we had verses in the Christian Bible, and they did it for debate so they could reference. Uh So, But the point is, being the bride, that we have to die to our flesh daily because our spirit is willing to do these things for Jesus. We're willing to be that perfect bride with the perfect white dress with no wrinkles in it and, you know, have the big wedding party with all of the people that we helped bring to Jesus, you know. We're willing to be that, but our flesh is like, I'm tired. I want to eat snacks and take naps, and, you know, I don't really want to work today. Well, he gives us a Sabbath for that, guys, but guess what? If someone needs something on the Sabbath, you got to do it then, too. Is it hard sometimes? Absolutely. Is it worth it every single second? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, so... Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit of God... I lost my place. And the Spirit of God... The Spirit gave them utterance, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem... And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And if you read the story, they it goes to say that they think they are drunkards. And Peter addresses the crowd. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams now go on to read this we've talked about this in a past podcast we've read the entire passage and how the end time started at the crucifixion of jesus christ things that were supposed to happen in the last days that will happen as far as the sun being turned black and the moon turned to blood there's evidence that this happened the day that jesus was crucified now this is what it says the crowd's response acts chapter 2 verse 37 now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, when the first Pentecost came, God's Spirit came down and the law was given. The law that pointed towards Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He laid in the grave for three days and three nights, mind you. 
and rose again on the third day, ascended to the Father, and left the Holy Spirit, which came down once again on Pentecost. And the things that the law pointed toward were made manifest to all people, and 3,000 believers got saved that day, which is interesting because after the first Pentecost with the golden calf, 3,000 people died that day. So, so we have an interesting, an interesting dichotomy there. But the reason I say that is the only one that likes big words. (laughs) Yes, but I use more than just dilapidated. Dichotomy. D i c h o t o m y. Dichotomy. She didn't win the spelling bee as a kid. I did. I got first place. Thank you in the entire county. Just kidding. I just watched that episode um, about the spelling bee. Oh, that's a good one. Um, So let's see. I cannot remember where it is in the epistle of Peter. I think it's 1 Peter. Yeah, here it is. 1 Peter chapter 1, or chapter 2, verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, as unto a living stone, disallowed... Indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up to a spiritual house. This is this is the temple of Ezekiel. This is the new Jerusalem. And so I told you earlier, there are people that say that new Jerusalem is the bride. Yeah. But not the city. The people. The people are the bride. And we've talked about what the duty of the bride is. Now listen to this. Wherefore also, so as lively stones are built up into a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient... The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there you have the duty of the bride. Love God. Keep his commandments. Be obedient because we are a peculiar people that show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And love his people, guys. In this day and age, gosh, just reading comments on news articles makes me want to cry. It's all you Democrats or you Republicans, and it's just a whole, like, let me stick all these people in a group, and they're all bad, and I hate them all. Right. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, depart neither to the left hand nor to the right. Nope. Find the straight and narrow, guys. Find it. Stick to it. Which is not on the left or the right. Nope, it's in the middle. Whether it's political, whether it's magic, doesn't matter. Don't go down the left hand or the right, but love God 
and keep love, his commandments, love his people. That's what if you read love his people that are on the if left you read and the right, John, everywhere right now. Right, and you know, here's the thing: is a lot of these people, whether they're on the left or the right, are just doing what they've done their whole life, what they've seen others do. They're they don't looking, know any better. They're looking for love and acceptance, and they found it. They think in a group of people, and if that group of people is on the left, that's where they are, or the right, that's where they are. You know, I have family members that, you know, claim to be one way or the other. And they're like, oh, well, you have to pick a side. You have to pick a side. I did pick a side. And it's the very middle where Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And I love them exactly where they are. That is the duty of us as the bride. That is the duty of us as the bride. If you are not loving them exactly where they are, do you want them to stay there? No. But if you're not loving them for who they are, exactly where they are, and accepting them just like Jesus did for you when you were down and dirty and in your filth, and like he does every day when you are in sin, like Romans tells us, we have all sinned and fallen short, then you are not doing your job. So the next time you turn around and you want to say you people to any group of people, just remember that those you people over there, they're your people. They're God's people. And it is your duty, if they don't know him as his bride, to make sure that they do. First John 2, 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, but... Because the darkness is past and the true life shineth. Look, it all goes together. We just talked about him calling us out of darkness. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth. Because that darkness has blinded his eyes, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. If God is forgiven them as soon as they ask and truly accept Jesus, who are you to say that you don't? Who are you to say that they are less than worthy? Just remember that. That is our job is to be the light he is the light through us, and if we are hiding it and not showing it to people, we have failed. That We have failed the greatest mission he gave us. Right. Well, it goes back to First Peter. It says that we should shew forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness. And we just saw that if we don't love our brother, we're still in darkness. And so by shewing forth, here's the thing. If you love God... You keep his commandments. Now, guess what his commandments are? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. And a lot of people will say, you know, well, I don't really like myself. Well, you, you got to figure that one out first. One of them's talking. So <laughs> my uh, problem is I love myself too much. Oh, yeah. I, I spent a lot of years not liking myself at all. But I learned that I had a beautiful, wonderful God that loved me exactly for who I was. And he gave me a wonderful husband that reminds me every day when I have those days that I'm not sure that I should like myself because 
maybe I yell too much or maybe I'm too passive or maybe I have 28 chickens and I ordered 20 more and he still loves me. (laughs) But I had to work through that one first. Do I still have struggle days? Yes. But my problem was that I was doing so much for other people But I was doing it for the reason that I thought they would love me if I did. And that would make me love myself. Don't get it backwards. Accept the love that he freely gave you that you can never afford first. Because he just gave it to you. You couldn't buy it with all the money in the world, but he gave it to you. And once you've accepted that and you have that stability and that love, then when you're going out and loving those people... You're not searching for an earthly love or acceptance from them. You're doing it because you want them to have the love and acceptance you already have from him. Sorry, I'm ranting. No, that's fine. Absolutely. (laughs) It it fits perfect. So I can't think of a better place to end this is shooing forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And what is the day of Pentecost if not a day of praise? Absolutely. Go back and read Acts chapter 2. Guys, get your praise on. Yeah. Bring out the shofar, bring By out the, the way, guitars, let's sing, let's dance. By the way, you know, there's not many there's not many commandments for it. Make make, you know, we can't do the offering the way they did it, but make yourselves a couple of loaves of bread. Enjoy them with your family. I thought that would be because we we make our own bread around here. That's how we eat bread because uh I don't do preservatives. I'm a weirdo. I don't do food dyes, preservatives. No, you're not a weirdo. You're a peculiar person I of am the a peculiar, peculiar people. Um, we just went to a birthday party today and my kids were like, what can I eat on this snack table? Because they know that the food dyes have, are in the sprinkles and they couldn't have the sprinkles. So yeah, you get some strange looks, but we make our own bread around here with a sourdough starter, which is like biblical leaven. When they talk about leaven, that's the kind of stuff they use to make their bread to make it rise. So I thought it would be a cool tradition if on Pentecost we made two loaves of leavened bread and then we went out and just gave it to people. You know, not because mm-hmm. we have to do sacrifices or offerings anymore, but because we're freely offering it and because it's it ties us back to what they did in the beginning when this started. Right. So we're going to make some bread tomorrow, guys. I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to play music and we're going mm-hmm. to make some bread and we're going to go out. And May I people. recommend the sounds of Celtic worship? It's beautiful. Oh, yes, it is. Bagpipes. Love Bagpipes. Them. But here's the thing. It's not. That's the name of the group. It's yeah. It? Celtic worship is the group. It's an Look it's an Irish YouTube. it's an Irish praise and worship band. Um, they don't do a lot of this new. Um, I guess what I would call frou frou worship music. It's all it's all the thing of where they say the same the line twenty seven times. Yeah, it's all the Irish national instruments, the bagpipes, the flutes, all of that. But it's hymns. Guys, their version of In Christ Alone will bring you to tears. I'm yeah, not so will their kidding. version of Be Thou My Vision. Oh, I love that song. So, but look, guys, we're coming up on an hour and ten minutes. Remember the duty of the bride. Keep his commandments. And who is the bride? Shoot forth Pop his praises. <laughs> bride, you guys, you are the bride. We are the bride, the body of Christ. So... We're going to kick out that outro music. We will see you guys next week, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or a little after, because I'm normally late on Course Correction Radio. Take care, guys. Bye.